It's 9.30 Eastern time, the realest of time zones. That means it's time for the Debbie Debate, brought to you by CampusToCan.com. Austin Nace is out. Chris Moxley and Matt Bruni are here, and, and I am Felix Sharp on a lifted version of tonight's show. Early flag, flag plans for 2023. Players who may enter the portal post-spring. But we start with a discussion about the coaching changes that are affecting our C2C and Debbie teams. Now, last year, Josh Gaddis to Miami predictably I mean we even talked about it on this show terrible jump from Rhett Lashley to Josh Gaddis down there in Miami he lasts one season Virginia was one of the best offenses in the country in 2021 they add Tony Elliott as uh, take him from Clemson's offensive coordinator to be their head coach and he just totally neutralizes Brennan Armstrong. We've had a few of these moves uh, last year that affected our C2C, our Debbie teams. Robert and I, speaking of Virginia going to Syracuse and lifting that offense, making it modern. Lance Leopold in, in Kansas. Zach Kitley, a big one there in Texas Tech. Want to have this conversation with someone who's playing, paying really close attention to it, and that is Nate Marquise at CFF Nate on Twitter. He's a member of our college fantasy football team here at Campus to Canton. Nate, I think that we're always looking for a conjunction between talent and scheme. Some of the Blue Bloods, they have it. Bama, Texas, USC, they have both. Western Kentucky, they have scheme, maybe not the talent. Speaking from an NFL development perspective, Texas Tech has the scheme, doesn't necessarily have the talent. A place like Michigan probably has the talent, but doesn't have the scheme. Let's start here with Clemson. They have a new offensive coordinator. They have the talent. Are they going to have the scheme this year to maximize that talent? Well, I think it's definitely a scheme upgrade from what they had last year. Uh, I know Brandon Streeter definitely had them going in the right direction from what we saw with Tony Elliott, because Tony Elliott was such a dumpster fire the year before and took that dumpster fire with him right on over to Virginia. But um, even still, even though they were trending in the right direction, Garrett Riley is still a big step up. I mean, that's the reason why, you know, Dabo had to make that move. I mean, Garrett Riley is fantastic at making things easy on the offense, making things easy for the quarterback. He schemes wide receivers open with creative play calling. Um, you know, it's it's very similar to Lincoln Riley's offense. He does a good job of of manipulating the defender's eyes, thinking a play's going one direction and it goes totally in a different direction. I think the question is, does he really have the the wide receivers that fit what he wants to do? He's always had quite a bit of speed. If you look at what he had at SMU two years ago, if you look at what he had at TCU and all the speed they had, that's, I think, going to be the bigger question. Does he have the speed on the outside to make it work? There's the Troy, what, Stilato or whatever. He's supposed to be one of the faster wide receivers uh, on that depth chart. I don't think that that's a player that folks are talking about necessarily all the time. Would you just take a closer look at a, a field stretcher like that with Garrett Riley, Riley being the offensive coordinator? Mm, I would I would be concerned that he's going to get enough enough playing time, enough snaps to be yeah. able to be that. I mean, I think that we – we have a pretty good idea of what some of the, the the top of that wide receiver charts looking like right now with Antonio Williams, Bo Collins, maybe Adam Randall. I don't know. He seems to be injured quite a bit. So 
Um, but yes, if, if we start to see some rumblings that he has found his way, you know, into the, uh, the starting lineup, then it would definitely have my interest. Uh, Drake may is widely considered to be at, at the very least quarterback two in the 2024 class. For some, he may even be quarterback one. I mean, this is a guy who had more rushing yards than, uh, than, than Caleb Williams doesn't necessarily have the spectacular plays, but just a really good athlete and good all around player. They North Carolina though, loses offensive coordinator, Phil Longo, who has been, um, you know, at the head of some successful offenses. What are your feelings about what they've got there now uh, uh, at North Carolina? As far as for the fantasy assets, I'm terrified. <laughs> I'm terrified for for the hire that North Carolina made. If you guys have listened at all from me, from from chasing the natty or, or read any of some of the stuff that I've uh, written about lately about Chip Lindsey, um, I think it's a real bad hire. I think uh, this is a great. This is going to be a great challenge of like you brought up scheme versus talent because i do think the talent's there i i love tez walker i think drake may is a fantastic player that running back room is is loaded it's a little messy but it's it's loaded it's got some really nice players but and man i mean the chip Lindsay has historically um just downgraded every offense that he's come to and then all the fantasy assets have gotten better after he left so that worries me and what that means the good thing is he does run the quarterback a fair amount so from a cff perspective i mean i think we still have at least a solid floor that we're working with with drake may and him still being a viable rushing option in that offense but man his wide receiver production historically is not not very good i I mean i too hate that hire by the way yeah awful what i don't know what mac brown is necessarily thinking when he makes that hire considering how bad his tenure went at Troy he followed up on Neil Brown right like there wasn't any gap there and he was spectacularly bad um he also I mean how many times has he actually been a true play caller outside of Troy right he was under Gus Malzahn for a long time and like yeah yeah he said Gus Malzahn he said Todd Munkin he's he's worked under some really bright minds except for whenever he alone as the play caller. I believe he had one or two seasons at Arizona State where he was the lead play caller there. Those seasons were pretty meh, pretty bland uh, from a fantasy perspective. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's it it doesn't make sense because Mac Brown is a total CEO head coach. He will not interfere with anything that the offensive or defensive coordinator are doing. And right now I think he's got two really bad coordinators. And that's a problem. <laughs> yes, Did he- co-sign. Did he lose a good coordinator to uh, Wisconsin? I think it's natural to transition there. Given that yep. Phil Longo is going from from uh, North Carolina to Wisconsin, and it feels, one, did he lose a good offensive coordinator? Two, I mean, just speak to the fact that Phil Longo, it feels like, is building from scratch and bringing a totally different system, or we would assume bringing a totally different system to a Wisconsin team that's used to putting a fullback in the backfield and running their running back into the back of the line of scrimmage 30 times a game. Yeah, if this if this coaching change or this coaching hire would have happened 15 years ago when the transfer portal didn't really exist, I would really, really be skeptical that he could turn over this roster in one season because it is schematically a massive change to go from just ground and pound to his 
very up-tempo, high-flying offense where he's throwing it all over the field. I still have a little bit of doubts how well it's going to work in Madison in November when it's 30 degrees and 30-mile-an-hour wind. But uh, this is a guy historically that is kind of the antithesis of Chip Lindsey in that he's he's kind of um, built himself up and uh, has a great history with quarterback production, has an incredible history with wide receivers. I mean, we've seen it with Josh Downs. Uh, with Brown, uh, with a handful of other guys there. He, he did a very good job uh, whenever he was at Ole Miss as well. So, and and it's it's not like we're going to see Raylan Allen wasted here. This is a guy that has also produced big time, big time uh, running backs. I mean, what was it in the, just a couple of years ago, whenever we saw North Carolina with Carter and um, who was the other Devontae one? Devontae Williams. Devontae Williams, Williams, yeah, had, had both of them were top 20 running backs in the same season. So, I mean, this is a situation where we could see Braylon Allen um, continue to be a really, really fantasy relevant running back here. Nate, I got to ask you the bottom line question with Wisconsin. This is a team that, traditionally speaking, we were not rostering any wide receivers from this team. Does that change in 2023? I think it has to. I mean, this is... This is a, like I said, this is a top 10 coaching set. This is a top 10 coach, offensive coordinator that has produced a consistent wide receiver fantasy assets. Who that is right now, I don't know. I'm, I'm really interested now that they've kind of started uh, spring practice. You know, ask me this question again in, in two weeks and I might have at least a couple of names for you. But um, I think that there's talent in that room. Uh, I'm just not sure where those, where those targets are going to want to go. Every, everybody thinks that it's probably going to be Williams who transfers in from USC. I'm pretty skeptical on that. I think that they're probably going to go with a more proven guy. Uh, they got a transfer in from Oklahoma state that I think is, is decent. And then um, I mean, DK and bell that are already there for, for Wisconsin, I think are, are potential strong candidates as well. Well, I guess, you know, Matt, we'll continue to pay attention to your spring practice reports to see how yeah. that wide receiver core is shaking out because we could find some value there. Speaking of value, uh, let's go down south a little bit. Jeff Brom, the Brom family is from Louisville. Jeff Brom is back uh, in his hometown. What does that mean for that offense? And, you know, maybe a player like Chris Bell, who some have liked uh, in this community. Do we see a boom from him? Yeah, Jeff Brom, again, another, I, I would say, top five coach when it comes to producing wide receiver fantasy assets. I mean, Rondell, Rondell Moore, um, Bell, he had a plethora of fantasy assets uh, at the wide receiver. And then, Charlie jo and then Charlie Jones last year. Charlie Jones, man. Charlie, Charlie, Jones, Charlie Jones, Jones is not Chuck canon. Sizzle. Chuck Sizzle is canon. Chuck Sizzle coming out of nowhere, man. Um but yeah, that's 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 the deal. Is that you you want to invest and I, you want to take your shots on this wide receiver room, whether uh, whether it's Jamari Thrasher, whether it's um, Bell, whether it's uh, I'm trying to think who was the uh, the transfer they got in from uh, from Dion's group down there, Kevin Coleman. Coleman, yeah. So um, yeah, this is this is a wide receiver room that again, similar to Wisconsin, you're going to want to uh, listen in as much as you can uh, on the spring practice reports, find out who's kind of taking the lead there. 
So I, I do like I do like the makeup of what I've seen from from some small uh, tape on Bell. I think he's I think he's got the tools. He's got the size six three two hundred. Um, he's very intriguing to me. And has had success against Travis Hunter at least in high school. Um, just going back to Jeff Brom here for a second. It seems like he's had what well, Rondell Moore was a slot wide receiver. David Bell played outside. Um, it's, I don't think that we can necessarily target any one, you know, we're not targeting slot versus X versus Z with him. We may just need to collect one or two of the assets that we think are going to be starting there in Louisville. Historically, he's actually pretty consistent with the outside receivers. Rondell Moore freakishly justifies some of the odds um, and what he did at his time at Purdue. But historically, Brom will usually um, tend to feature the X and, and the Y a little bit more. Let's not forget, tight end-wise, Brom's been really good too. Just because he runs that wide-open spread offense, he's not somebody that neglects a tight end at all. He's got a strong track record there too. Nate, I mentioned want to follow up real quick on, on, on that. I don't remember off the top of my head, but it, the what I had seen from Georgia State last year, Jamari Thrash was a guy who played outside too. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and he was super productive in the. Con- I don't think people realize how productive he was uh, in the context of an offense that is, generally speaking, run first under Sean Elliott uh, and the Panthers. Is he your preferred target here? Because I, I think he's mine, but I, yeah. I, I don't have a strong opinion. Yeah, he probably had the quietest one thousand yard receiving season I can remember, um, and nobody really talks about him. But I think from yeah, from a CFF perspective. Uh, I think he's right, right now probably the one that I'm targeting the most just because he does have that experience. They brought him in. Uh, you know, he's he's hand chosen by that new staff. So, uh, yeah, he's probably the one that I'd be targeting right now. Um, value wise, maybe maybe Bell's a little bit more of a value because from a CFF perspective, you can get him for next to nothing. Um, whereas Thrash is going kind of more in that mid round range. All right, Nate, uh, I'm, I'm going to see if I can get Matt engaged here. Talk. Let's talk about Coach Prime. Sean Lewis from Kent State uh, goes to Colorado. There's going to be a lot of excitement around this Colorado team. Is it, uh, is it warranted? Like, is this a team that we, sh- again, that we should be targeting uh, their skill position players for either CFF, Devi, C2C purposes, or are we still one or two years away from, from valuing this program? If, if we're talking from a coaching perspective, uh, this might be the biggest change of any, of any program that we're, that we're seeing this entire offseason. To go from Mike Stanford, who I think is literally maybe the worst offensive coordinator uh, that, that college football has seen the last couple of years. This is a guy that ran the ball 23 straight times um, when he was at uh, Minnesota a couple of years ago. To, to go from him to somebody that is a, uh, you know, a Baylor um, Art Bryles disciple, in in Sean Lewis, I mean, it's like going from warm tea, boring ass warm tea to like chugging four loco. It's going to be awesome. And I, I can't wait for it. It's going to be uh, Sean Lewis is just he is not afraid if you if I mean, we're all fans of what Kent State did last year. He's not afraid to chuck it all over the field. He did it at Kent State. He did it at Syracuse. He did it at Bowling Green. He's going to do it at Colorado because they're they're playing in the mountains, man, and he's going to wear some people out when he's playing at that altitude. And it's uh, it's sad what Mike Stanford did to that program. 
So what what wide receiver would you end up betting on? I mean, we just got the news today from Dion that Travis Hunter has been focusing mostly on wide receivers, something we've all talked about. You know, Austin, representing him a little bit here, has said openly and privately that if he focuses just on wide receiver, I believe he'd be in his top 10 college wide receivers uh, overall in his rankings. You've got, uh, was it Mike Valerie's guys at Jordan? I always forget his last name. Is it Jordan Tyson who had the really good year last year before, before getting injured? Which one would you be willing to bet on being the guy then if you had to draft one? Yeah, it's really intriguing that uh, that he's focusing primarily on offense right now. I was kind of surprised by that when Dion brought him over. Uh, me personally, um, I'm looking at, at uh, Horn, the transfer from South Florida. He's probably uh, he's probably the guy that I would take right now without knowing kind of how things are playing out in that wide receiver room. But with Hunter playing offense, um, I mean, what are you going to do? He's the number one player in the country coming out of high school a couple years, you know, a year ago. So that that's something we got to pay attention to. But Horn's probably my guy right now. And, and to your point, Dion did praise Jimmy Horn Jr. a ton, transferred in. Uh, in the first practice reports, pra- uh, praised him a ton for his hard work and how quickly he's picked up Sean Lewis's offense. I like Tyson, but I think he tore his ACL like in uh, it was late it was October, late. early November, or something yeah, like that. It's, I think it yeah, was, it was November. Yeah, so that 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 alone is a little bit of a concern just from a health standpoint. But, Jimmy Horn is Joe Horn's kid, right? That I is think correct. so. I think yes, that's right. Yes, yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. NFL bloodlines, just saying. Nate, Texas A&M, Alabama, Georgia, all get new offensive play callers. Bobby Petrino at Texas A&M, Dami Reese at Alabama, and Mike Bobo at Georgia. Rank these three coaching changes from best to worst. From a CFF perspective? Go ahead. From fantasy? From fantasy, or are we talking just best hire? However, however you want to do, however you want to do it, just, 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 yeah, here's, here's the deal. I don't think, I don't think the, all three of them are going to have that big of a difference in what they've been doing recently. I went into, uh, researching Bobby Petrino cause I'm, I'm writing the sec coaching change article now expecting, uh, to be blown away with all the differences that he's going to bring. And I was like, I'll be damned. If you take Lamar Jackson out of his track record, he's Jimbo Fisher. He's the exact same. He's the exact same <laughs> offense. So, um, so I mean, I guess it makes sense that Jimbo hired him. Um, I think that that can work. I will say, I think Tommy Reese is probably the best, um, the best fit for what they want to do there at Alabama. I think it's really bummer that they didn't get Ryan Grubbs from over at uh, Washington. I think that would have been really fun if Nick Saban could have got him to run his offense. But if I had to rank the three, I don't know. They're all, they're all so lukewarm, really. I'll go Tommy Reese, Bobby Petrino, and then uh, uh, Bobo, I guess. I don't think much is going to, if anything is going to change at, at Georgia. Nothing's going to change. Hold him to it. Hold at CFF Nate on Twitter. <laughs> Hold him to it if he gets it wrong. Uh, and I want to know in the chat, which one of these these hires do you think is most impactful? Chip Lindsey at North Carolina. Robert and I at NC State. Jeff Brom. Uh, Sean Lewis at Colorado. Petrino, Texas A&M. Reese at Alabama. Bobo at Georgia. Let us know your thoughts in the comments. Uh Nate, you mentioned, you know, Art Briles and this kind of this beer and shoot scheme in college football. What are you seeing as far as 
Art Briles, who's long removed from college football, but it seems like his legacy lasts in his coaching tree and these coaches who are starting to ru- are running his system, carrying it on in, in the, uh, in the country. Yeah. So his coaching strings has actually expanded more now that he's not in football, uh, than it did whenever he was, whenever he was back coaching, obviously Kendall Briles, who's the offensive coordinator, new offensive coordinator at TCU, formerly of Arkansas and, and a bunch of others. Um, is his son and, but yeah, it's this veer and shoot offense. It is hyper speed. It is, I mean, we're talking 80 plus plays per game. They do these really wide splits with their wide receivers. So it puts DBs on an Island. It forces them to have to, uh, really cover these wide receivers well. And he's, and, and they tend to recruit to the speed that they need to really run this offense. You see some really fast guys. Uh, in this offense, there's a lot of volume for the quarterback. Uh, there's a lot of deep passes. Uh, so we tend to love it from a fantasy perspective because of the volume of plays that they run, because of how efficient it is, the amount of deep passes they have. Some of them tend to run the ball more than others. Uh, but, I mean, we you just go down the list. Kendall Bryles, Jeff Levy, Dino Baber, Sean Lewis, Josh Heupel, uh, Alex Golesh, who is the uh, former uh, assistant under Josh Heupel, and even Lane Kiffin's got a lot of these elements as well. These are all very, very um, friendly uh, CFF-producing, college pr- production-producing coaches here. And wherever they go, we want a piece of them for fantasy. You can follow him at CFF Nate on Twitter, and you can find his work at campus2can.com. Nate, uh, we appreciate you coming on with us tonight. Thanks, fellas. Thanks, Nate. Thanks, Nate. I think we got to give Nate a round of applause. I mean, this guy really knows what he's talking about. (laughs) Very nice. That is very look. We're we're. I told you we're, we are upping upping the production value around here. But oh, wait, um, we have actually have a we actually have a studio audience now. I think watching us. We do. We do. Yes. <laughs> the, uh, the the these coaching systems. It really really matters. I mean, what would DJ Uyunglele be in another system? What would Tyler Van Dyke be if he was still behind with Dr. Gilbert? Well, what would Tyler Van Dyke be if he still had Rhett Lashley and didn't have this one year of Josh Gaddis? I mean, this that probably changed his NFL draft value. Uh, the fact that that Mario Cristobal came came in and made the wrong hire. Uh, so follow C, follow Nate Marquise uh, at Campus to Can his work there and on Twitter. Listen, guys, I got good news and bad news. The good news is that the big break isn't coming for us here. That's the good news and the bad news. We need you, our audience, leave a rate and review, subscribe to the channel. Your rate and review can help us reach one more person. Your comment in the algorithm on one of these videos can help us reach one more person. We are building this thing from the ground up. Dude, you sound like Sarah McLaughlin. I sound like Sarah your do, you know, your so donation. I wish, I wish I had that in the arms of an angel. I mean, you can just sing right it. I had, to, I had to say it. You can no, just sing it, man. I'm good. I'm not being mocked I'm and no ridiculed here. We are trying to create our market. Nobody's going to do it for us, but you, you can help us do that. Any of the three, twenty-seven cents a day. 
you don't even have to be subscribed to, to the website, subscribe to the YouTube page, turn on your notification bell, do that. Leave a five-star rate and review on Apple Podcasts. I think we're at 94 rates and reviews on Apple Podcasts. We can get to 100 by next week. Do that for me. Uh, help us get to 100 by next by next week. We're dropping content on TikTok, on YouTube, in the podcast feed every single day. And, of course, March 1st released the Freshman and Supplemental Draft Guide. And the Debbie Guide, the Debbie Guide is going to be coming here soon so pay attention to that we appreciate all of the support that you've given us uh, from this point all right i want to talk about get into post spring oh man was that housekeeping yeah why did you did you miss housekeeping i wanted i was was ready to play that okay okay to it for those not watching live matthew has all these new tricks and toys with the new software that he's playing with. He's obviously not contributing by like talking during nope. the conversation no, with no. Nate. So yeah, he's I thought I asked a great his, Travis Hunter question toys. personally, but um yeah, all right. Uh uh let's, <laughs> go ahead. Continue. Let's get into post spring transfer candidates. The, the, the transfer portal will, will open on May 1st, and we've seen some big names transfer uh, uh, after, this, after the spring period. Jamison Williams two years ago, Jordan Addison uh, last year, Charlie Jones. I mean, these are, like, this, these are some big names uh, to transfer. Matt, we haven't heard from you. Can we start with you yeah. for some guys who you think could potentially be on the move uh, after – the spring games are over. Yeah, um, I feel like there's not going to be as many this year as there was last year. I was kind of going through a lot of the teams, trying to find ones that really stuck out to me. A lot of them are quarterbacks. So the first one is Evan Prater, who I still think, especially if he goes to like a G5, could be really good for that team. It really seems like Ben Bryant still has a, a hold on that job, even with the new coaching staff. I just don't— Wait, Ben I, Bryant still has eligibility? Yeah, this is the last year. Yeah, I know. Oh my god! So Wait, didn't they just didn't they just have Emory Jones transfer there too? They did, and he's apparently so. Last report oh I looked at, god. like they said he was looking good as well. So like, I just feel like Evan Prater is getting pushed further and further down that depth chart. Like if he wants any shot at doing anything in college, he's running out of eligibility. He's got to go if he's not going to be the guy this year. One, I I don't know for sure about this one because I think. I don't think I I I believe Kyle McCord's going to win the job. Does Devin Brown transfer out though? I think is the big question because if he does, I think we all believe he could start at. Is it unfair to say like ninety percent of colleges? Like I, I think there's a probably eight, nine, ten, probably a little bit more than that. Schools like I think one hundred fifteen schools. Is uh, yeah, that that sounds good. One hundred fifty schools. He'd go start at probably in fall if he even transferring out in spring. He's that talented. But it seems like Ryan Day just finds a way to get these guys to buy in and sell them on, like, the Dwayne Haskins arc of, like— That's exactly what it is. I mean, that's exactly what it is. So either either Devin Brown has to transfer if he loses the job or become the biggest Kyle McCord fan that there is. Like, Heisman level, 44 touchdowns, solidifies his status as a first-round top 15 draft 
uh, pick, even though he's only had one year starting under his belt. And we see, I mean, Anthony Richardson, one year starting under his belt, he's going to be a top 10 draft pick. So we could see that from Kyle McCord, but that's got to be Devin Brown's plan. Either he knows he's not going to get the job or he's going to transfer or he loses the job and just hopes that Kyle McCord has this explosive, explosive season and he doesn't stick around for two years. Well, I think that's got to be the big fear, though, for Devin Brown, too, right? It's like, does if Kyle doesn't have that 50-plus passing touchdowns, like really great 4,000 passing yard season, if Ohio State loses a game or two, like does Kyle McCord get that projected draft capital? And if not... I don't know that Devin Brown then comes in the next year and then beats him out. So I, that's why it's very intriguing yeah. to me what happens with those two because I think I, obviously if Devin wins it, I think Kyle's gone. He's not staying. But if Kyle wins it, like I think Devin Brown's really going to have to, and he's not going to have much time because that window's only May 1st to May 15th, so he has to make that decision quick. And I guarantee you Ryan Day's not giving us anything by April. There, I believe their spring game is on April 15th. He's not giving us anything on that day I, I know I'm, I'm th- throwing this out there but let's, let's say hypothetically Devin Brown entered the transfer portal do you have any thought I mean I can tell you I would like to see him go to Wisconsin I don't know I'd like it I don't know that he'd do that though with Tanner Mordecai just coming in there like I feel like they brought Tanner Mordecai, Tanner Mordecai in Mordecai. oh I agree He's with you but I, I feel like if he were to go to Wisconsin Mordecai would still be the starter so there's a shot that Brown still sits for a year and I, I don't know that he wants that I'm trying what do you think to... about Louisville with Jeff Brown I wouldn't hate that who who went to Ooh. Louisville someone went so a quarterback went there with him didn't he Brady well, I mean, Allen didn't go Mark's... Pierce Clarkson. Yeah, Pierce Clarkson's oh, not Hutt- starting year one, though. No, Hudson uh, Card. Jack, Jack, Hudson Jack Plummer went with him. Uh, was it Jack, Jack Plummer? Plummer? Jack Plummer. Oh, no, yeah, Plummer. Right. Hudson Card. Well, Plummer started Plummer. with him at Purdue and then got taken yeah, by Aiden yeah. O'Connell. And yeah, so Plum- Plummer's the guy, I think, this year. Unless, unless like, what's his name? Brady Dorman oh, beats him out. I so, would love Devin Brown to come you, to Louisville. You know where Devin I would sneaky spot I'd love for him to go to? Arizona State with Kenny Dillingham. I knew you were going to say that, too. Go back west, somewhat close to Who would to he be home. throwing to? Who would he be throwing to? Hey, I mean, it don't. Troy O'Meary. Uh, yeah, Troy yeah who, who looks healthy. Hey, <laughs> Elijah Badger, yeah. uh, the dude from Idaho State. <laughs> they, they, I mean, they, he, I just, I trust in Dillingham with what he was able to do with Bo Nix. Devin Brown's got much more talent, like, and he's not afraid to use his legs. Like, so a quick, uh, quick thing I'll tell you guys on that part. They they ran a drill today for Ohio State, um, testing like what quarterbacks would do in certain situations. And they they ran a zero blitz. Kyle McCord stepped up in the pocket, threw the ball over the middle. Devin Brown said "eff it" and bailed and had like a thirty yard run. And then they compared it to what C.J. Stroud did, where C.J. Stroud had already diagnosed the blitz and told Marvin Harrison to run a certain route and then hit him wide open. And it was just interesting. Which to is see exactly that. what you're supposed to do, by the way. Right, right. I mean, oh yeah, hundred percent. That, yeah. But that's always Devin been Stroud's Brown made thing, the right? wrong decision yeah. in that a, thir- in that a thirty yard run in practice where you're not allowed to tackle the quarterback. Super true. Impressive. Right. Against the zero <laughs> blitz, I mean that's not going to yeah. happen in the game. He's going to get <laughs> so. But I think, like, what he can do with his legs, and obviously we know the arm talent is there. Just with Kenny Dillingham, like, I think you could see a Bo Nix-type season out of Arizona State with him. It would be a lot of fun if he did. I mean, I obviously would love for him to stay at Ohio State, but he he is one that I think, like, could eventually go. So, back to the rest of my list. I still think Devin, Devin Brown, to me, is still one of the most exciting quarterbacks 
in college football, and I'm not going to let it go until we see him play. That dude is a baller, and I cannot wait to see him play. I'm sorry, Matthew. I don't think any of us disagree with you. I mean, I I don't know if he's retracted this statement, but I know for a fact that Austin Nace had Brown over Drew Allard last year. I don't know if he kept him there, but there were times that he argued Devin Brown was more talented than Drew Allard. So – I, mean, I took him over Quinn Ewers. I took Devin Brown over Quinn Ewers. So, so I, I mean, I, I, I would love to see him play too. I just, I, I really don't think that it ends up happening this year. But, but keeping into the Big Ten quarterback battles, we have seen or we've heard that Mel Tucker is allowing this to be a actual quarterback competition. So he says, you know, Jared Palmgren made a really interesting point. I don't think you come out and say that if you don't mean it when you have a fifth-year starting quarterback. Like, that's not something you just come out and say, hey, it's going to be a QB competition. So I actually believe that that Hauser has a chance to win this job. I was very high on him last year out of St. John Bosco. Uh, He can do a little bit of both. He can run and throw the ball. Now, I don't know that he'll be great in the Michigan State offense, but I do think if he wins that job, Thorne likely transfers out. I don't know if that means much, but this is his last year of eligibility. If Thorne wins it, I do think Hauser transfers out, and he's a guy that I could see kind of like what I talked about with um, Prater. Maybe he transfers down to like a G5, and I think could be really good for you in fantasy if he goes that route. We'll we'll see, because they still have Noah Kim there as well, who I imagine sticking around just as QB depth. I don't know that he's the guy who really starts anywhere. I think your guy, Andrew Paul, might be on the way out. With with how loaded that room is, uh, you know, it looks like, unfortunately, due to that injury, he he's kind of gotten pushed back on the depth chart. I, I find it hard to say there's a lot of RB rooms he couldn't go into if he's healthy and probably be the starter. So at this point, if you know you're going to be the third or maybe even fourth guy right now in Georgia's depth chart, why don't you? Go somewhere. Do what you can do. I mean, it, it's not anything bad you leaving Georgia because of an injury. It's not like you got beat out. You were better than Branson Robinson, according to all the reports. But I find it hard after what we saw from uh, Branson toward the end of the season and even in that, that championship game for Paul to now jump him. I feel like he's got to be even better than he was. And I think that's going to be hard to do coming off that injury. Garrett Nussmeyer. Now, all the reports are that him and Jaden Daniels are going to get a 50-50 split. The coaching staff has come out and said it's harder and harder for them to keep Nuss off the field. But Brian Kelly just loves his vets, and I don't think that he he starts Nussmeyer over Daniels. I don't know that Nuss wants to stick around. I mean, Nuss has a shot to come out to the NFL draft this year. So he's a guy that I could see being one of those high-end guys that transfers in spring, ends up somewhere in fall, maybe ends up getting a starting job of, of, you know, if we see an injury, unfortunately, in spring or something like that. And then the last one is, is your other guy, or used to be your other guy. You famously, as Austin loves to point out, although I think he does this more privately than publicly, took Brock Vandergriff 1-1 in a freshman draft. I don't think he's beaten out bad. Freshman mock draft, excuse well, me. That was like in April of that year. So let's not Regardless. Even go there. <laughs> Regardless. <laughs> I don't think he beats out Beck. I think Gunnar Stockton personally is the best of the three in that room. Um, I know Jared has talked a lot about the, that he knows that there are teams that are going after and trying to get Brock. He, he's a G5. He's transferring down. He's right, transferring but with, down. with his, with he's, his he's legs like and or South Alabama or something like oh, that. Oh, I was going to say Texas State. Brock Vandergriff feels like a real Texas Ooh. State type. But see, that's the thing. Like, that's the kind of guy that you would be intrigued with, right? If he goes Corsby to the G5. Like, like, that's the thing. Like, he's a guy you want to see go to the G5 for your fantasy teams. Which you're like, hell, now I could still get three years of him with the COVID year, and he could be possibly fantasy viable. I just, I just don't think he's got a future at Georgia. So he's a guy that I think right now he's 
technically been the two there, but I would not be surprised if Stockton jumps him by the end of spring and or summer, and he ends up transferring out. There were the there were rumors that Jackson Musk, two time two time national champion Brock Vandergrift, put some respect <laughs> on his name. There were some rumors that he was jumped by uh, Jackson Muschamp, who was like Jackson a- Muschamp got in the spring game before he did. Yeah, so- I just I'm just saying. Um, I actually had a few on my mind that you mentioned, Matt. Uh, I think Hauser's going to transfer. I I think Thorne's going to win that job. I like I I put my confidence level like eighty percent. Uh, I think Hauser would be an interesting transfer. I'm not sure that Nussmeier is going to lose that job. Like I I basically okay. This was a couple months ago, probably two or three months ago, but I ranked um Nussmeier over Jaden Daniels. For, Apologies. Um, Clarify the record. You know, setting the scene here for the oh, podcast worse. audience. For the record, Felix did not take him one one in a freshman draft. He took him one oh eight in a start up mock. So just just for, for clarification. We don't need to clarify anything. And stop interrupting Chris. Chris had the floor. <laughs> That's really good though. The, uh, thank you for bringing that to our attention. Um, no, I I just think Nussmeier can win that job. Like I I've ranked him ahead of Daniels at times this offseason. I'm not sure I would do that right now, but. Not out of the question. I got a, I got a couple, not as many. Uh, George Petaway, the UNC running back. I think that room is just so crowded. Nate just talked about it earlier. Someone is going to move on from there. Kamaro Edmonds did the same thing last offseason just because it was really crowded. I think we're going to see the same thing with someone. My guess is it's going to be Petaway. I don't necessarily know that if it's the scheme that they want to run as much. I felt like he was probably maybe more of a... Phil Longo running back in like the Michael Carter role. I don't like Chip Lindsay, uh, and Nate gave you a bunch of reasons why as well. Uh, I'm going to give you three quarterbacks from the 2021 class draft class as well. All these dudes are transferring. Like we're like a bunch of these names that we're giving you are, are these dudes who are going into their third year, have not had opportunity to start, and now need to go somewhere else. Baron Morton. I really hope that he wins that job at. Texas Tech, I don't think it's going to happen. I think Tyler Shuck is going to win it. Uh, you know, he's got more experience. He performed really well last year. I just don't necessarily know what the path forward is for Baron Morton. And I think he's a really good quarterback. I just don't know where – I just don't see it. Uh, two obvious ones. I don't know why they haven't transferred yet. Ty Thompson at Oregon, who – dude, you're going to be like QB4 on your depth chart. What? Where? Why are you staying if you're not in some like – I just don't understand why Ty Thompson's still enrolled in, at Oregon, to be honest. If he's really interested in football, uh, he, it might not be. Like, he might, you know, be, want to be there for other reasons. Uh, and then Miller Moss, who I actually to look this up today because I didn't think that he had transferred, but I wasn't sure. Because, like, this is the most obvious transfer candidate I've ever heard of. Like, Miller Moss at USC is behind Caleb Williams, will probably be behind Malika Nelson, and... I think he could start with G. I I think all three of the quarterbacks I just named could easily start at the G five level. They should all transfer. <laughs> it's the bottom line. I just I don't know how many of them will. I I really wish Barry Morton does because I think he's the most talented of this group. Um, I think Alan True has been on the show and he's talked about Barry Morton too. Really, really liking him. I I I really hope he gets an opportunity because he he's a good player. Well, let me. I mean, so my, let, let's start with another Zach Kitley team and that's um uh uh wait where was i going with that thought where was i going with that thought texas tech western so, kentucky Houston yeah Baptist. I, 
I think I was going with the fact that we've seen a quarterback transfer twice within one year with Jared Dagey uh, at Western Kentucky last year. I mean, if you remember, Jared Dagey goes from West Virginia to Western Kentucky. Everybody thinks he's the, the starter late in the fall. In the fall, uh, Austin Reed is declared the starter, and Jared Dagey transfers again. Where, where does he end up? Troy. And then he actually started some games for Troy. So I think it's generally rare that um, that a quarterback is going to transfer after the spring because they still got to get the offense. But it can happen in certain, cer- certain circumstances where you don't anticipate the player being there. That's the case at UCLA. I don't think that they anticipated getting – uh, uh, Dante Jesus Moore. Christ! That they anticipated getting Dante Moore. Oh so my God! How Tom long Sweet. are y'all going to keep the charade <laughs> up? <laughs> so you have Colin Slee transfer from Kent State to UCLA, expecting to be the starter. He's not guaranteed to get that job. I think we could see him enter the transfer portal uh, come oh, May first and try to get a starting job. I don't think that that's out of the question. Um, Malik so Dante Moore, at- Dante Moore just going to win it straight up in spring after being on campus for like two months. Colin Schley's been on campus for two months. What are you talking? That's the whole point. He also started a game at the collegiate level last year. Don't believe- he Listen, kept it close against Georgia. I'm- Colin Schley also been on campus there in LA for no more than, than two months. Same time as, as Dante Moore. Let me move on here. I'll, I'll just go. I pretend I do not see it. I will go through my quarterbacks. I think Malik Murphy has some great physical gifts. Uh, Malik Murphy went to Tom Brady's high school there in California. I think it's Gardenia. Um, is the backup to, obviously, Quinn Ewers, but he's also going to back up back up uh, Arch Manning, or he, he probably will back up Arch Manning. This is a guy who can start, and I just don't see how he could be content to just back up two players for the balance of his career. And there's very, there's like little to no chance that he gets to start there. So Malik Murphy has a rocket for an arm. Uh, if he's healthy, I think he could start at a lot of places. Maybe not 115 like Devin Brown, but a lot of places. And he was a high four-star or five-star or low four, five-star quarterback. I would like to. I would like to see him transfer. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he understands that he's just going to play a support role uh, there at the 40 Acres. MJ Morris uh, at NC State. You've got Brennan Armstrong there. You know, I've heard MJ Morris described as one of the better or more physically gifted quarterbacks that they've had there at NC State. Let's remember that they that that uh, Russell Wilson was there. Um, I would like to see him go somewhere else. Jadon Blue. Now, Matthew, I've been listening to the spring campus, the spring practice reports, and I understand that he's playing relatively well, but there are a lot of bodies there, and it's not clear that Jadon Blue is at the top. He's a good player. They got Cedric Baxter there, the the, the freshman. I could see him transferring. Uh, 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 Chris, you mentioned George Petaway. I think that you have to add Omarion Hampton to that list. Basically, we're going to say that somebody from the North Carolina backfield is transferring. Some other names here, Kendall Milton at Georgia, an Alabama wide receiver who thinks that they're just going to be out. Maybe uh, Isaiah Bond, maybe Malik Benson, you know, is only there for a couple of months and then he transfers. Jaden Bray at Oklahoma State, Taylor Shetron. Um, I don't know what Lane Kiffin is doing at Old Miss. They got Jackson Dart. They bring in Spencer Sanders. That's a somebody's got to go. Somebody's got to go 
there. And then, quite frankly, if a team has enough NIL money and can pull Luther Burden out of Missouri, that just seems like something you should do. As a matter of fact, somebody like USC, just go get Luther Burden. Let's just let's just stop he just the nonsense. Signed, yeah, he's I mean, he just signed there. some deal. He got a chi- he's got a chip on his shoulder with some sort of chip adver- advertisement. I don't remember which brand it is now. I, which is, I understand. Is there we go. I understand, but I think it would make sense for him to go somewhere. So, all right, those are our post spring transfer candidates. Are there any in the chat? Any? If you guys have any post spring transfer candidates that we did not name, let us know, and I will read some of them uh, here as we're uh, uh, going to, through our next se- segment and get. What about what about Dante Moore when he loses the job to Colin Schley <laughs> year one? Uh, I like how you said that. So so Colin so Dante Moore is going to win the job after being on campus for a few months when the same thing applies to Colin. One one has started a full season at the collegiate level. One is, it has not, period. How about this? Dante Moore has started more games than Colin Schley in the last four years. That's a fact. That's a fact. Okay. All right. Okay. So so has some random ass dude in like division one of New Jersey football. But they're not talented as Dante Moore, though. There's there's a small um, difference. There is a small difference. Uh, Nelly is in the chat. He mentions Jacory Brown. Matt, you've mentioned that's a good that, one. Uh, Jacory Brown is behind uh, Emery. Is it Emery Williams, the freshman? Yeah, the freshman they, there at they, Miami. They really seem to love Emery Williams. They've come in and said he already looks the part, already excelling in camps. So yeah, they seem to be big fans of him. <laughs> All right, uh, let's move on here. This flag plant segment. I do not take it lightly. I do not take it lightly. Had some hits here. Anthony Richardson has been a flag plant. Troy O'Meary, JoJo Earl, but Tyler Van Dyke, when even when he was like either the, like the third string behind De'Eric King and um, and Jake Garcia. Jake Garcia was the hot name. I really liked uh, uh, Tyler Van Dyke. So this is I do not take this segment lightly at all. And I'm usually trying to find a player who is undervalued. Somebody who's going to be, I mean, it's been Zach Wilson, Ramondre Stevenson, Jamison Williams, you know, the the guys that I've kind of put my stamp on just off the top of my head. And so I don't take this lightly. I am not diving that deep tonight. Um, because it's it's still early and I'm going through my rankings and I'm trying to find you know, the guys that I'm going to be planting my flag on. So I am just going to stick with Michael Penix Jr., who for the record, I, I mean, I've been talking about him for the entire the entire length of this show uh, for the last three years when he was when he was at Indiana, who had all the physical tools, just didn't have the consistency. And last year, he added the consistency. He was healthy for all 12 games. And listen, I, I think if he is healthy for the entirety of the season, again this year if that happens he just will be a heisman trophy candidate he might be a heisman trophy finalist and i don't care that he's a sixth year player i think that there's a chance that he is a first round draft pick a la brandon whedon he is undoubtedly one of the five best quarterbacks playing college football he can distribute the ball to any quadrant of the field that you want to make any throw and and yes i know that he is a pocket passer 
but he is very mobile in the pocket when he gets pressure. He had to uh, at at uh, at Indiana. I've got some clips where he's moving around in the pocket and getting punched in the face and still delivering the ball downfield. That's one of the reasons why I love Michael Penix Jr. is his ability to throw the ball while having chaos all around his legs <laughs> all around his legs and I was, listen you guys are distracting me you guys are distracting me with all this nonsense um but i really like michael pennage jr and yes he has the injury concerns with the knees he's had i don't know i think he's had two acls so that could be a concern but what has hendon hooker had and people are like oh if hendon hooker was was healthy he'd be a first round draft pick he'd be the quarterback four ahead of will levis this is not my words chris box you're sitting there over there rolling your eyes i'm just saying hooker's like, only uh, had one injury hasn't he it's just the acl i i mean okay. the issue that i have with michael pennix michael pennix jr better player than hendon hooker michael oh, pennix jr disagreeing that fact i'm just hooker. saying like he's only had the one acl though it's not like hendon hooker has flag, this long list of injuries flag plant flag plant been here i though. been here i i mean i don't Think that's a like you've been talking about him for a long time. You were talking about him when Kalen DeBoer was his offensive coordinator at Indiana. Then Kalen DeBoer becomes the offensive coordinator or the head coach at Fresno State and head coach at now Washington brings Michael Penix over. I, I think the injury history is just a little too much. This dude's legs are like chop me that you would get in the supermarket. Like I just don't think he can. Did, did I cut out a little bit? I can hear you. Everybody did. Everybody did. Uh, Everybody uh, did. Matthew. I'm good. I can still hear him. I'm good. Oh, cool. Okay. So I, yeah, I, I, I have one. Kind of, go ahead. Yeah. I, only, I only have one, and it is a player that we've talked about a lot. Walker is a size-adjusted freak athlete uh i think he's one of the better athletes in the country period and i i think that he's going to be the wire super one for drake may and unc and even though i don't like chip Lindsay, he's just a really really good player i think in his own right he had a great game against georgia last year like i keep bringing that up this kent state game against georgia but like anytime you see a team like kent state do things against georgia it matters and so he had he had one um I, I believe it was just like a regular wide receiver screen that he took to the house and he basically outran the Georgia defense and I it think was. you know that it was a straight you know, up is a wide yeah. receiver screen. Yeah. Yeah, one of the best athletes on the field, no matter where he's playing, and he will be that again uh this year. Which is so Devontae Walker could have been mine, but I mean, I don't know where we have him in our rankings. He's like at 13. Hi. So I'm like, I can, that's yeah, not I'm like high. the guy that I could can plant the flag on because I feel like we've been talking about him a lot. And by the way, we are, we are having some technical difficulties because this is an organization with no money and we don't have the infrastructure. So, so bear, so bear, so bear with us as we get through this. Matt, yes, we I, are think, experiencing I think Matt's, it might be Austin's grandmother stopped running on the uh the Well, I was going to say, Matthew is actually pedaling underneath his table to keep okay. the internet working, and he stopped pedaling. Uh, and that's why that's why it stopped. So 
Um, and and according to the reports, this, I'm the only one not having issues, and it's you too. I don't know what to tell you. Reports are Felix and Chris are freezing and cutting out. That's just what that's just reports I'm getting. Okay. Okay. Anything where'd you get, else? Where'd you get your news? Some partisan your, media. Um, your cell phone. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it. <laughs> Uh, no, I, I mean, I don't have anything to add to Devontae Walker. I just think he's a really good size and trusted athlete who is going to have an opportunity to be the wide receiver one for the second best quarterback top five pick in the 2023 draft. Like I, or 2024 draft, sorry. Like, I just don't think it's that complicated. I don't know. Like, it's just a player I think we should be investing in. All right, Matt, over under three minutes the next time we have a, a, a freeze up. Over I don't know. Under. I guess over. You guys should get yourselves checked out. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. I'm doing good over here. Anyway. Give us your flag plant. Yeah. Uh, am I only supposed to give you one? I've got three. Give so. us, oh, we know that one is going to be Kyle McCord. One is going to be Quinn Ewers. So give us no. the two other ones. Although, Kyle, we'll, we'll find out if Kyle McCord is actually going to be a hit this year. It's taken a little bit. Flag's been sitting on that hill for a while, but we're about to find out. No, one is Quinn Ewers. And I, I wish I would have had time to fire up the clip because I had a clip of someone on this show claiming that uh, he has no future after college football. And I, I'm, I'm gonna, that, that's going to be proven wrong this year. Um, I think he's going to go out and have an amazing season, likely end up being a first-round draft pick. Uh, my other one is Gavin Sawchuk, who I believe is going to end up being the best running back at Oklahoma this year. He's already up to 195. There was a lot of haters on that, him last that's year. That's incredible, by the way. I agree. A lot of haters. Given how when he came in. On a very talented running back who is also a very good receiving back. I think he's going to have a great season with Oklahoma. I'm pretty sure his ADP is probably really bad because I've looked at the ranks and none of you have him ranked very highly. I'm all in on him. Yes, Quinn Ewers, next head coach of South Lake Carroll. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Anyways, my That's last That's a future one. in football, by the way. I, it is a future in football, so he would still be wrong. I still win. That's all that matters to me. The last one, I'm going to go a little bit against Chris here. I actually think Hauser is going to win the Michigan State job, so he is my other one. I think he beats out Peyton Thorne, or at least at this point plays this year and is better than him. And I, I still think that he's a very talented quarterback. Probably doesn't have much of a future there because I do believe in Sam Levitt as well. I believe he's a better quarterback, but I, I do think we're going to get a chance for Hauser to show off his skills this season. All right. Um those are the flag plants. We will have more flag plants and like deeper names as we get close. It's March. What do you what do you expect, bro? Let's get Barnabas up here, uh, Matt, uh, uh, while we're waiting. But let us know your flag plants on the season for 2023. I would really like to get some deeper names. As a matter of fact, if you want us to leave leave us a five star rating review on Apple Podcasts with who your 2023 flag plan is and if it's a good name we'll read it here all right barnabas um i could i could have named i could have named some dude from from the g5 i was being respectful to the the name of the show which is debbie debate well i mean you did talk about hawaii uh all for about five minutes last week so um all right barnabas did we how, how how did we do tonight barnabas uh, so I think that there were a lot of opinions today, so there weren't so much I wanted to fact check here, but, uh, on the show sheet, you compared Michael Penix to one Brandon Whedon, which is actually an amazing comp because they, in both of their best college seasons, they had the exact same completions percentage at 72.4%. <laughs> 
so i you know granted uh we didn't never tore an acl in college but uh you know that was an interesting because we didn't did make the record for being the oldest first round pick ever at 28 years old so uh you know Penix is getting up there in age too so he's getting a little long in the tooth but i wanted to do something a little bit more uh related to what you guys were talking about which is i ranked i did a little bit of research behind the scenes while you guys were talking I ranked each of the best offensive seasons for each of the coordinators slash coaches you just talked about earlier with Nate. And uh, so between, uh, let me pull up the list, Art Bryles, Mike Bobo, Tommy Reese, Bobby Petrino, Sean Lewis, Jeff Brom, Robert and I, and Chip Lindsay. Let's start at number eight. Who has the worst? Uh, do you guys want to guess or do you want me to just read them off oh, to God. you? I need um, you to, I can I just tell you, can I just tell you it's season. Mike Bobo? Is it Mike Bobo? It is not Mike Bobo, actually. What was the list again? I already forgot what the list was. Bobo. Then it's it, well, then it's got to be uh, Chip Lindsay. Well, uh, Chip Lindsay, not. Robert and I, Jeff Brom, Sean Lewis, Bobby Petrino, Tommy Reese, Mike Bobo, and Art Bryles. I also included in there. Bryles, I think, had a. Good I guess one. Bobo had his years at. I'm just so scarred from being a South Carolina fan with Mike Bobo. So number like, eight is actually Tommy Reese. That's not that. Surprising. Tommy Reese. Uh, he had, yeah, lowest offense of total offensive yards per game, at four hundred and forty-eight point five yards. Uh, anyone care to guess any of the best running back, wide receiver, or a quarterback in that on that offense? Oh, his best quarterback or, or the year had to have been Drew Pine. I was gonna say Ian Book. It is, was in he, fact, Ian Book in 2020. Coordinator back then, I didn't realize he that. was. And best uh, running back had Ky- to be Kyron Williams then. Kyron Williams and anyone know the uh, wide receiver there? Oh. It was uh, what's his name? Austin? No, Kevin. Um, no, no, it can't be Kevin Austin. No, he w- he would have gone to the draft two years ago, and I have no idea. I can't think of the name. All I have is Michael Mayer in my head. I know it's not Mayer. It Chase was one Javon McKinley. Oh wow! In 2020, Javon McKinley was the had the had the most yards that year. Uh, number seven was Mike Bobo, so that was a good guess. Uh, 467.7 yards. Uh, year quarterback, Trash. running back, or wide receiver? Anyone? His best. Uh, this included all of his offensive. Per, all, no, just that year. Stuff. His best offensive production year. Uh, was he there for the Aaron Murray years at Georgia? He was. In fact, it was Aaron was Murray in 2012. Or, sorry, 2012, uh, with his running back being Todd Gurley, obviously. And uh, Tavares King was his leading receiver that year. Uh, I would have never guessed that in a million years, who the receiver <laughs> was. In sixth place at Chip Lindsay, we have his 2015 uh, Southern Miss team, oh, where the quarterback was... Uh, this this trio, by the way, the most NFL players. Oh, oh, uh, oh Nick Mullins. Starts. Yeah, was Nick Mullins a running back? Yes. Also an NFL player, Edo Smith, with uh, the leading oh, receiver oh, being wow, one uh, Michael Thomas. Not that Michael Thomas, obviously. The LA Rams, Michael, Michael Thomas, Thomas. The one that has uh, 366 career NFL yards, but <clears throat> the most players to have started an NFL game out of among the trios on this list. Uh, in the fifth place, we have Robert and I with 515.9 yards. This was obviously his 2021 UVA season uh, with Armstrong, Wicks, and anyone know who the leading rusher on that team was that year? Wayne T? 
Yep, Wayne Taulapapa. Uh, in fourth place, we have Jeff Brom um, with 534.6 yards. Uh, any guesses on the trio or the year? Uh, I, can I give you the trio, even if you don't know the year? Sure. Aiden, o- Aiden O'Connell, uh, Xander Horvath, and Rondell Moore. Incorrect. Aiden O'Connell oh. didn't pass to Rondell Moore. Oh, I should have said Jack Plummer. It um, is none of those three. It is his 2014 what? Western Kentucky team with Brandon oh. Doty, Leon Allen, and Jared Dangerfield. Uh, in third place, we have uh, Bobby Petrino with 544.9 yards. This was obviously his 2017 Lamar Jackson season. Yeah, um, I guess he'd have been first. Because he of is Lamar. not. Um, well, okay. So here's the, here's the little little bit of a cheat. We have Sean Lewis in second place because his best season was the 2020 COVID year where they only played four yeah. games. So, <laughs> so his, no his, uh, his, yeah, Dustin Crum, Marquez Cooper and Isaiah McCoy. Um, oh, I remember Isaiah place, McCoy, man. Those <laughs> are the good old days. We have one art Bryles. Um, anyone care to guess his best, his, uh, his quarterback in his best offensive year. Bryce Petty is the gotta quarterback, be, right? It's got to be it Bryce, Bryce Petty. Josh yeah. Gordon. Oh, oh he, no. Was Gordon there with Petty? It was Corey the Coleman? Antoine Goodley years. Uh, oh. Goodley. I have who, no who, idea who the running back is. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce that first name. It's uh, Lake, Lake Seastrunk. Um. I, I believe no that was also the year that they played. Um, there was like one of those one of those crazy like we had uh, Houston and SMU last year. One of those defenses optional games. Uh, yeah, I, I think they were Love heavily it. padded by that one of those games. Um, but yeah, that is the list. Art Bryles, best offense out of there. Uh, Sean Lewis actually drops to sixth place if you take out his 2020 COVID year because they only played four games. Um, and, uh, Chip Lindsay is only sixth on that list, even if you include the 2020, uh, COVID list. So, um, maybe some, and I think the biggest takeaway here is that there is only one regular starter NFL quarterback on this list. There is no, uh, real, uh, fantasy asset wide receivers on this list. And Edo Smith is the most, oh, Todd Gurley, I should say, actually, is the most, uh, like touted running back on the list. But uh, after that, it's Edo Smith and then Kyron Williams of uh, 4.740 at the Combine uh, fame. So, yeah. Uh, at like that, 180 that, That's what I got for you. <laughs> very, very well done. Very well researched, Barnabas. We appreciate it. Um, all right, come back. Next week, Matthew will have your segment in the rundown, in the in the menu rundown. All right, he... Uh, that's his fault. Um, all right, make sure you make sure you support all of the content around the campus to Canton family. The website, including the articles, the podcast feed, the YouTube page, and follow us on TikTok. Help us grow this format in college fantasy in general. But that's going to be our show for tonight. Apologies to Kirk Street. We ran out of time. We'll get him rescheduled soon. For Matt Bruning, Chris Moxley, and Barnabas Lee, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck.